On this Ascension Sunday, we have two initial and primary scriptures, one from the book of the prophet Isaiah, which of course we are preaching through Isaiah this year, but then also turning from Isaiah 45, we'll read Isaiah 45, 22 through 25, we will read uh, one of the most famous quotations and echoes of Isaiah 45 in the New Testament in the affirmation that Paul gives and uses to instruct the Philippians in his letter to the Philippians. We'll be reading Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 16 in that discussion that Paul is having with the church at Philippi. I invite you to turn to God's word with me as we hear God's word. This is in the midst of a series of oracles that are recording in the book of Isaiah in this mid-40s area between the first servant song of Isaiah 42 and the second servant song of Isaiah 49. We get a number of, of oracles, including at chapter 45, this incredible proclamation as the Lord speaks to his people and calls them out into the future and says he has already chosen and named and anointed a man who at the time of the prophecy isn't even born yet, a man named Cyrus who will be emperor of the Persian empire and will serve God's purposes of historically sending the Jewish exiles from Babylon back to Jerusalem. But God goes on and there's a further oracle or series of oracles that relate to God himself is the ultimate sovereign. I'm not a human sovereign, an ultimate sovereign. Isaiah 45, 22. Turn to me, God says, the Lord says, and be saved. All the ends of the earth, not just Israel, not just the Jews, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn within the Godhead, this is a covenant commitment by God. By myself, I have sworn, from my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. In other words, it's not going to return to me empty. It will effectuate its purposes. And here it is. Here it is. To me, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall swear allegiance. Only in Yahweh, only in I am, the Lord, it shall be said of me, our righteousness and strength. To him shall come and be ashamed all who were incensed against him. In Yahweh, in the Lord, all the offspring, all the seed of Israel shall be justified and shall glory. And then to the New Testament. And I invite you to hear, and we'll talk about the quoting and the echoing of this passage from Isaiah 45, talking about God being the only one. Here, turns out it's Jesus who is God come to us. The same worship is due him. But Paul is talking to the Philippians about how they're supposed to live and how we're supposed to live. So listen to the larger passage as well. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ. In Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, 
or exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The pivot here now. Therefore also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him, on Jesus, the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, hear the Isaiah 45 now, every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess or swear allegiance that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I, that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. Today's sermon for Ascension Sunday, and as we prepare to come to the Lord's table, is this. Stay synced to the soul Savior. Stay synced to the soul Savior. And yes, soul Savior, that is a double entendre. He's both the only Savior and he's also the Savior of our souls. But we are called to stay synced to the soul Savior. And let me tell you up front why this is so essential for you and for me. Being synced to Jesus is necessary and essential to enter the kingdom of God, to live in eternal life. Let me repeat that. In order to be saved and to continue God's working out of your salvation in you, you must be, it is essential that you be, synced to Jesus. Because let me ask you this. Uh, how many of you are just naturally eternal? You're going to live forever. You're not going to be dust in the ground in a few years. None of us, right? We live in terminal, mortal time. Jesus is eternal. We need to be synced to him. He also has come and done the completed, perfect work of our salvation. So we must likewise be synced to him in his salvific work including his faithful obedience, and then centrally, of course, in his obedience unto death on the cross as our atonement, his resurrection 
and yesterday his ascension to the right hand of the Father and the fact that from the right hand he's coming again. Sync. Uh, let me pull back and remind you about sync or tell you about sync. Uh, there is a really important, simple Greek prepositional prefix. You may remember that the New Testament is written, the primary documents are written in Greek because it's the English of its day 2,000 years ago in the uh, uh, eastern part of the Roman Empire, okay, and throughout most of the Roman Empire, in fact. Uh, after Alexander the Great, Greek for centuries was the main international language. So in Greek, you got this prepositional prefix, soon. And in Greek, depending on what the next letters are and what the next sounds are, soon, well, transliterates over into English as sin, S-Y-N. You can see it in your notes. I have it for you in the sermon notes, right? Sil, sim, okay? Those are some of the examples, and obviously, S-Y-N itself. So you know, you know this term, and you know some Greek. You know more Greek than you think you do, even if you're telling me I don't know any Greek. You know Greek, okay? So listen to this word, sympathy, right? Everybody know the word sympathy? That means feeling, pathos, right? Feeling with someone. Sympathy. I'm sympathetic. I join in my feelings because this preposition, I should tell you, means with, together, or very strongly, it can mean joined tightly. Again, this is all in your notes. With, together, joined tightly. So you know the word sympathy, right? What about symphony? Our musical people, symphony, ever heard that word before? Right, so that means sounds that join together, right? From various instruments, a symphony. Synonym, synonym. Words that have the same basic meaning. They are connected. And then you know this word. It's, it's a lot in the New Testament. And it's a lot if you ever study Jewish people right now, right? Synagogue. That means to be led together from the Greek. Big word in the New Testament. Then we come to this word. Sin. Chronos. Chronos means time. Time joined together, linked. To synchronize is to join the timing of. Okay? And then we have this little shortened version of it now that probably, if, I'm, if I were speaking to my great-grandfather, he would be like, what's that word? But it's common now in the last few decades. Sync. Right? S-Y-N-C. That's shortened for synchronize. And what do you do if you have a cell phone and you want to keep up with making sure whatever you're doing in your cell phone is also connected with like a main phone? So your secondary computing device is connected with a main computing device. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to sync them so that the data, the full data of both, is in symphony, right? Okay, so, and, and you definitely want the secondary device to be brought up to speed with the main device, got it? Sync. We need to be synced, you need to be synced to Jesus, both in what he has done for your salvation decisively in history and in his eternal grace. 
That's the only way we can be saved. That's what being born again means. That's why Jesus says, you must be born again to enter the kingdom because we're not going in of our own merits or on our own terminal life cycle. It's not going to happen. Um, this is central to our biblical theology, reformed biblical theology. John Calvin, for instance, says, the benefits of what Christ has done in his atonement, in his resurrection, in his ascension are lost on you unless you are united with Jesus. Let me repeat that. What Jesus did, for instance, on the cross 2,000 years ago, if you're not connected with that, if you're not synced with that by the Holy Spirit, then that atonement has not effectuated within you. And the scripture talks about this all over the place in the New Testament. Just give you a few examples. I have a couple of them in the notes for you there directly. Galatians 2, 20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, wait a minute. Paul's not dead when he's writing this, is he? Paul's not dead. He's not on the cross transcribing this to somebody writing this. He also has not gone back in time 10 years or so and been joined with Jesus or 20, 15 years ago and been joined with Jesus on the cross. But he says, I have been crucified with Christ. What's he talking about? As I tell you in your notes, sinking, right? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, Paul can see Jesus and knows Jesus on the cross. Do you? Do you know Jesus on the cross? Are you synced with him? Are you joined with him? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, this union with Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away the new has come, but wait a minute, I still sin. I still commit sin, like S-I-N, right? Yes, but I'm already S-Y-N-C to Jesus. Romans 6, 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism. Wait a minute. Did I go back to the tomb and get buried? No, but I'm synced to him by the Holy Spirit and his saving, atoning death for me. And in the same way, Paul says, we are also raised with him. And then for us today, yes, it's Ascension Sunday, so I give you this one too. Ephesians 2, verse 6. God raised us up with him, with Jesus, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, wait a minute, I see a bunch of you sitting in pews, and I probably could, if I could go through uh, the connections here, see a number of you sitting in your homes or in your cars or wherever you are. I'm not really seeing with my eyes of flesh anybody up with Jesus right now. But you know what? By the Holy Spirit, we sink with Jesus and we are brought into his presence at the right hand of the Father. Isn't that awesome? So that's what this is talking about. Now, let me caution you. This is not about our trying to sync Jesus with us. This is not about our trying to sync Jesus according to what we want and our timing. Do you hear what I'm saying? But Jesus, I told you last week, I need this now. Get with it, snap to. 
That is not what we're talking about. But Jesus, I don't like the way the world's going. You need to fix it now. Or you needed to fix it 10 years ago. You needed to work on my marriage then. Where were you? I, I, because I believe in you, you need to come in under my timing and what I tell you to do. This is the opposite. And notice, i just give you one example. When Jesus came, this is what a lot of the Jewish people were doing. They're like, we, 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 you need to fit our timing and our criteria uh, for a Messiah. Jesus says, um, Matthew 11, 16 and 17, but to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to playmates. We played a flute for you and you did not dance. You didn't do what we told you to do, Jesus. We had a plan for you right now today. We played a flute for you and you did not dance. And then Jesus says, we sang a dirge for you and you did not mourn. So do you understand? This is not about Jesus snapping to to our timing. It's about us being transformed and joined with him in his timing. So today, number one, stay synced to the servant's atoning death and his way of humble faithfulness. Stay synced to the servant's atoning death and his humility and obedience. Remember, we talked about this in Holy Week. And we talked about the servant song that closes out Isaiah 52 and runs all the way through Isaiah 53, the five stanzas. We spent three Sundays on this passage. So here, here in Philippians, Paul is talking about how Jesus, in fact, emptied himself and took on the form of a servant, Isaiah 53, right? And we need to stay synced to what he has done for us every day we live. And Jesus, in fact, tells us not only should we be looking at him as the one who took up the cross, we're, if we're going to follow him, supposed to take up our cross also, as Reed said at the opening of the service today. So Paul says this and the creed, I, I believe this is an early Christian church creed, particularly um, the first several verses here about Christ's uh, humiliation. Um, have this mind, this attitude, this mindset in yourselves, Christians, church in Philippi, which was also in Christ Jesus, Although he existed in the form of God, do y'all hear that? Jesus is eternally God. But although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard or count equality with God something to be grasped or exploited. No, wait a minute, Father. I don't need to go down there and do all this. Let's fix it this way. Let's do this. I'll just say the word and it will happen. They will be saved. I have that power. Come on, Dad. No, no, no. Although he existed in the form of God, did not record equality with God, something to be grasped, held onto, exploited. But here's what he did. He emptied himself. Emptied himself. Kenosis. He emptied himself. Taking the form of a bondservant. A servant, virtually a slave. Isaiah 53. Being made in the likeness of men. But here's what God says at the close of that servant song in Isaiah 53. We'll come back to this verse several times. It is so important. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, 
and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because why? He poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Did you hear that? He poured out his soul unto death, emptied himself. Get it? Isaiah 53, Philippians 2. Okay? Paul's main focus, though, I was talking with Reed about this this week. It's awesome. You know, we get these, these early, the earliest Christian creeds and faith statements that Paul brings up. But he usually brings them up because he's dealing with a problem and he's teaching people. He's, he himself, on the face of it as a, as a human being, is not saying, let me make sure I artifact all these great earliest of the Christian creeds for... He's, he's using them as a point of reference to teach. And, and so he's going to the Philippians, and his main focus for the Philippians, and for us, by extension, is we're supposed to be humble. How humble are you? Are you willing to share and give away to someone else? Are you willing to obey what God says, even if it threatens what you thought you wanted? Jesus emptied himself and in humility became obedient was even willing to die. I can say, oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm willing to die for you, just like Simon Peter was willing to die for Jesus, you know, at, at the time of the crucible, right? Willing to die, obedient unto death, even death on a cross. So what Paul is saying to the church at Philippi and to us is we need to stay synced when we get high and mighty or get upset with other people, Right? We need to say, sink to Jesus who emptied himself and was obedient to save us in his atoning work for us. Secondly, stay synced to God's exaltation of his son, our ascended Lord over all. Now, this is big news, big point for Ascension Sunday per se. I have the, the parallels or the connections here. Again, 5213, you can see it's there in your notes, and I have it playing over into Philippians 2, 9a. My servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up. Remember, I told you that terminology in Isaiah is only used for God elsewhere, and here it is used for the servant. He will be high and lifted up. And also then we get this in the Hebrew, um, the maod, greatly exalted. Guess what? Over in Philippians, it's the first time you see it in Greek literature. Don't know if Paul coined it or the Christians were already saying it, but he uses a hyper version, a amped up version of exaltation to refer to what God does for Jesus. Philippians 2.9, God highly exalted him. That creed is reflecting Isaiah 52. My servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up, greatly exalted. Therefore, God, because of what Jesus has done in his faithfulness, God highly exalted him. Now, Jesus was already exalted, remember, even before all time, right? He's God. But this is the economic work for your salvation that's going on here. And bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Let me repeat that. And gave him, bestowed on him, the name that is above every name. Now, you can go back to Isaiah 45 and say, well, Pastor Martin, the only name that's above every name is Yahweh or the name of the Lord. 
and over here in the New Testament saying that Jesus is given by Yahweh or God the Father the name that is above every name. And I'm telling you, yes, Jesus is God who has come to you for your salvation. The Son and the Father are one. There's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. One of the interpretive questions here is, is the name that's being highlighted Jesus, Jesus Christ, or Lord? Lord is the term that's used in the Greek version of the Old Testament, the Septuagint. Kyrios is used for Yahweh, the personal name for God, every time you hear it, read it in the Old Testament, okay? So this is using the same term, which can just mean generally sir, but in the Bible is way high up when you're talking about anything related to God as the personal name for God. And here, God has given Jesus the personal name. The question is, is it the name Jesus? Do you translate this the name that is given to Jesus, that is the name of Jesus, or the name Jesus? And again, to simplify it, I'd say, yes, Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what you need to know. Now here's the, where the rubber hits the road. Is he your Lord? Sure. I sing a song to him occasionally. I give him five or ten minutes of devotional time when I have time for him. No, no, no. Is Jesus your Lord? All caps, all the time, rules your life, rules the way you parent, rules the way you study, rules your heart rules your interaction. Is Jesus your Lord? If he is not your Lord, you're not saved. If you are saved, you have bowed the knee already to him and you love him. Because you know what? He's the most wonderful Lord you can ever begin to imagine. Because he loves you and he gave himself for you. Remember who he is? He emptied himself for you. We're going to come to a passage in a few minutes where it's going to tell us, I've already read it, that in the day of the Lord, every knee is going to bow to him, including beneath the earth. But that bowing to him is not consonant with salvation. Believe me, Satan is not going to enjoy bowing the knee to Jesus, but you can enjoy it now and forever. You can be the one who's applauding at the day of the Lord, that your Lord has come. Jesus is Lord. Stay synced with that. Number three, stay synced to Jesus' intercession for you at the Father's right hand. Now, this is awesome, Christians. I talked with the children about this before we sent the balloons up. Jesus is in heaven. What's he doing? Listening to some music occasionally? No, he is at the right hand of the Father, in full authority at the right hand of the Father. And what is he doing? He's interceding for you. Let me make this really clear, Christian. He is interceding for you. If you believe in Jesus, if you belong to him, Christian, church, he's praying for you right now. And when you get in your worst situations, guess you need to pray. Yes, absolutely, you need to pray. But I got bigger and better news for you. Jesus is praying for you advocating for you at the right hand of the Father. 
She's one of mine. He's one of mine. They're mine, Father. Deliver them. Isn't that awesome? He's at the right hand interceding for us. Romans 8, 34. Christ Jesus, the one who died. So in other words, he could certainly condemn us. He had to die for our sins. But wait a minute. Who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, not condemning us. Yeah, he made another mistake. I'm done with him. No, no, no. He's interceding for you. Hebrews 7.25, therefore also he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he, Jesus, always lives to make intercession for them. What's he doing at the right hand of the Father? He is interceding for his bride, the church, and preparing for the wedding that is to come. And if you belong to him, you're a part of that bride. This is awesome. And back to Isaiah 53.12, Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many. And what's the closing, what's the closing line in this song, right? Makes intercession for the transgressors. The ascension and the ascension work of Jesus right there at the great climax of the servant song. It's awesome. Number four, and finally, stay synced to Jesus and his imminent return. It's coming from the Father's right hand. As we say in the creed, he's not only at the Father's right hand with full authority over heaven and earth, okay? He's not only there at the right hand as the only Lord. He is doing what? He's going to do what? He will Come again to judge the living and the dead. So the Lord says, Isaiah 45, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, there's no other. There's no other religion by which you may be saved. There's no other gods by which you may be saved. It's me. I have sworn by myself the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness and will not turn back. To me, Yahweh says, every knee will bow and every tongue swear allegiance. And then as we've already said, we get over to New Testament and Philippians 2, and there it is. God exalted him highly and gave him, Jesus, the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus. Wait a minute, I thought that was for Yahweh. And the answer is yes. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is talking about, and this is where Paul is taking us in Philippians 2, and particularly 5 through 16, like we read. What's the end point? Christian, live faithfully now because he's coming back. And may the Lord be pleased with you. And may Paul be pleased with the Philippians. And may I, as your pastor, believe that I did not minister among you in vain that you long for and love Jesus and his return. Um, there is bad news with the day of the Lord, of course. Isaiah 2.12, we read this already in this series. For the Lord of hosts has a day, this is the day of the Lord, the day of judgment, against everything that is proud and lofty, it shall be brought low. But there's good news also. Isaiah 61.11, for instance, the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up 
before the nations. Paul says to the Philippians that they are to hold fast to the word of life. Hold fast to it. So that in the day of Christ, wait a minute, I thought it was the day of Yahweh. Exactly. You getting the connections here? In the day of Christ, which is the day of Yahweh, Yahweh will be exalted, every knee will bow to him. Yes, every knee will bow to Jesus. The day of the Lord is Jesus' return. So that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I do not run in vain or labor in vain. Oh, long for his appearing. Christian, be synced with that. Can you see it? Are you living with that in front of your eyes and your heart that you will soon see Jesus face to face? All the decisions of daily life come into perspective when you're synced with his return, when you see his return. And you know what? There's great joy in all of us who are faithful to him. Paul says um, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, in the future is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. And then Paul says something amazing. He says that the Lord will bestow on me this crown of righteousness, but not only me, but for everyone, every one of you who loves his appearing. But wait a minute, he hasn't appeared yet. Exactly. But if by the Spirit we can be synced and see, we love it. And we're passionate about seeing Jesus face to face more than anything else in all our lives. And we want our children and our loved ones there at that great celebration. Oh, Christian, may you celebrate and bend the knee in heaven and not under the earth. And may we, as we come to his table, rejoice because the wedding feast of the Lamb is coming soon. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.